This is great. Well, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke. So we're going to jump around a little bit because this is the, the same passage, um, in essence, same guy. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter uh, 24, and we're finishing today. We're going to finish Luke today, and we're going to also um, begin our, sort of begin our series in Acts-ish. But uh, we're going to read, we'll probably come back to it and read it again when we do actually officially start uh, the book of Acts. But we're going to be uh, here uh, just to transition it together, to wrap it all up, to wrap Luke up. After almost two years, woohoo! You are here. You were here when, when, when we finished Acts. When we finished Luke. I'm sorry, not Acts. <laughs> finished Luke. So right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, the last couple of verses there, and then we're going to transition over uh, to Acts chapter 1. So it says this, Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Now during the blessing, he departed and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple courts, blessing God. Woohoo! Amen to Luke. Amen. And let's go to Acts chapter 1, where he goes into a little bit more detail, and so we're going to pull out some of the things that he's talking about in the end of Act, in the end of Luke here, uh, in this first part of Acts 1 through 1, uh, 1 through 14. It says this, I wrote the former account, Theophilus. That's you, lover of God. But all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after he had, been, after he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. To the same apostles also, after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them for over a, over, I'm sorry, he was seen by them over a 40 day period and spoke about matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, you are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set out by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. After he had said this, while they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they were still, as they were still watching, I'm sorry, as they were still staring into the sky while he was going, suddenly two men in white clothing stood near them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem with the mount, from the mountain called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath, Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered Jerusalem, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and, Bar- and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, were all there. 
All these continued together in prayer with one mind, together with the women, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great work of Luke that he gave to us. That is a fellow Gentile, Lord, that we can, that we can hear his words and listen to the whole account of you, Lord Jesus, for he told an orderly account of you in his gospel account. And, Lord Jesus, your continued works through the Acts of the Apostles, through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray this morning as we transition that you would teach us that you would be here and be present with us to lead us into all righteousness, to lead us into the next season, to prepare our hearts. And Lord Jesus, to prepare us for the next season of this church and of this world and our personal lives, God, and in the life that you desire to walk with us through as we enter into this new season of, of life and ministry. We thank you, God, for what you are doing. And we, Lord, we pray your blessing on us and your filling of us by your Holy Spirit to overflowing. Prepare us, Lord Jesus, for what you have. For it's in Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you ever been you know, watching a TV show or a movie or, or of some sort and all of a sudden you see those three dreaded words, especially if you are watching it in live time, to be continued. Ah, God darn it. Especially like if you're, if you're like watching it the night it came out or something like that on TV, you see those words, I have to wait an entire week. Ah, but if you're watching it on Netflix and you're binging it for like 10 hours straight, you're like, eh, whatever, next episode. And then you see those Three dreaded words. Previously on NCIS. I've been watching for 10 hours. I know what's happening. <laughs> but you, or you're like, you know, you're continuing on. You're, you're pressing on. You know, you can, skip, you can skip that whole, you know, a lot of times they'll have like the skip, you know, skip uh, overview, whatever, or skip recap, you know, click, you know, okay, we're good. You know, <laughs> but in here, um, so this is basically that overlap. This is like the to be continued and previously on the book of Luke, you know, Luke's account. Previously on Jesus, you know. This is like that overlap transitionary point uh, because Luke and Acts are actually one work. He didn't write them like separately. He didn't like write it and then stop and then a few years later write the book of Acts. He wrote them in succession. He wanted to write an orderly account of the life of Jesus and the early church. So this is Luke's Magna Carta. Like this is his work. This is his doctoral thesis, if you will, but in two volumes. And so this is kind of that transitionary overlap in the book of, uh, or in, in the, the authorship of Luke between these two volumes. Um, this was his transition from the acts of Yahweh through Jesus to the acts of Yahweh through Holy Spirit. So these two two persons of the whole of the Trinity, and it's basically the the acts of Yahweh, the acts of God, the great and mighty works of Yahweh through Jesus, and now through His Holy Spirit. This is Luke proclaiming. This is the, the new work of the Book of Acts. And so, if you're going to you know kind of sum up the Book of Acts going forward, 
that this was the uh, actually really the the whole the whole thing of his works Luke and Acts this is the explosion of the kingdom of God through the holy ecclesia his beloved bride this is Jesus you know preparing and cultivating and teaching in the book of Luke and then it, it's his sending and empowering through his holy spirit in the book of Acts his graduation day right this is the graduation day we're talking about. This is the great transitionary moment, which is why I want to kind of take them both as, as bookends and use both of them today. Um, we'll begin the, the book of Acts, you know, the, the series of Acts, where I'm still putting it together. So I'm not sure if it's going to be, you know, in a couple weeks or if it's going to be in a month or so. I'm still trying to put it together. If you saw my, saw my post on, on social media, the book of, the stack of books that I have for references is pretty big. And, I, and I'm, I'm hoping to read at least partial, you know, to, to a couple of books to give you know a better overview, so that I can be preaching it through a specific lens. Um, and so I'm hoping that will be sooner than later. Um, but I know we're going to be on a, on a different sermon next next week. Um, but I'm hoping to start the Book of Acts here very very soon. Um, but I. There's there's a, a book that I really want to get. It's but I haven't gotten it yet because he's redoing the the entire book. Uh, it's basically because okay. So give me a little little snapshot, little 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 teaser, if you will. So basically, for the next season, we're going to be starting the book of Acts, but we're really not starting the book of Acts. We're starting the story of the new covenant church. We're going to be starting you know starting the the series of the history and the the work of God in those first 30 years that changed the world. To look at how can we partner in that same ministry of Holy Spirit today in His church, in His body, His bride, as we are going forward in our life today. Maybe the next 30 years can be that new kingdom explosion. And how can we participate in that ourselves? And so we're going to be looking at that. And I'm going to be using the book of Acts as kind of a skeleton of these things. And I'm still trying to figure out the, the format and the method. But basically, like, we're going to be going through the, the history from day one all the way and, you know, to as, you know, as far as we can, uh, probably through the end of, of, of uh, Paul's fourth missionary journey, which is after the book of, you know, uh, the book of Acts ends, because that's the end of his third missionary journey. Uh, we're going to be studying the, the history, and when we get to a writing of one of the books of the New Testament, we're going to read it. We're going to read the whole book. Now, the question is where? Are we going to read it here on a Sunday morning? Are we going to do it like on a Wednesday night? Are we going to do it? So I'm still playing with format because I don't want it to be like, okay, I can skip that week because we're, all we're doing is reading a book of the Bible. <laughs> like, and I don't want to give homework because I know, I know us. We won't do the homework. <laughs> So basically, this is the, we're going to do this whether you like it or not. <laughs> but we might do it like on the, like a, a midweek um, study or a mid, midweek, you know, uh, night, evening during the week and come together to read this as if we were reading a book from Paul himself or from James or from John. Um, and so um, as we, as we look into our passage here this morning, I want to preface it with this, this mindset of seasons, that we go through, I mean, we've got like what, four weather seasons, right? We've got, you know, uh, winter and we've got spring where it's starting to thaw out and it's, you know, snowing and then raining and then super hot and then super cold, like where the seasons are fighting. And then we've got summer where it's gorgeous and beautiful. And then we've got wildfire season, but, and then we have fall 
and getting ready for winter. Or as a lot of, a lot of times people like to say, when, you know, Montana has two seasons. It has winter and construction. <laughs> right? We have four seasons, you know, weather seasons. Our lives are marked by times of, of transition. And different, you know, different things like, you know, like seasons like marriage. Not a season of marriage, but like it's a new season when we get married. Or when we start to, you know, when we have that kid. It's a new season, beginning of a new season of our lives. Maybe a death. After someone dies, entering a new season of, of life. The, the, the season of moving on. The season of pressing forward in a new reality without that, that certain person that passed away. Transition, you know, like moves, you know, moving different places. You know, like Amberlynn and I, when we got married, we went and had our honeymoon in, in Victoria and then came and spent a couple weeks in Idaho and went to Texas for nine months and then moved to Wyoming for a little over a year and then moved to Idaho for a year and a half. <laughs> Plenty of moves. And now we've been here the longest we've ever been anywhere in our marriage. Four and a half years. Right. Roots are great. <laughs> you know, putting down roots, and, and that's what we, we hope to be here until we're dead. You know, I want to be buried right up in the parsonage. I'm kidding. You know, <laughs> buries out front, you know, next to Uber. Yeah. <laughs> well, Uber's still on our shelf, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, different moves in our, in our lives, different jobs and careers, career changes. The new year, every year, every year is a new year. Never new grades in school, like all right, like like we talked about this morning. That all of our kids are now in new grades together, and they're starting a new school year with new teachers. It's been a transition transition for Hazel, you know, not being with Mrs. Hale. It's been difficult, you know. Her old her teacher from kindergarten, she or from pre K, she loved, and now it's just getting used to the new the new way, the new teacher, the new schedule, right? But what about the different seasons of our lives? As parents, you know, the different, the new seasons of, you know, transitioning to our kids being adults, transitioning our kids to new grades and new teachers, new schedules, transitioning to new places, trying to reconcile and, and new opportunities in front of us. And that's why I want to, want to use, use this as a, as a way to title this sermon, New Season and New Opportunity because every new season holds new opportunities. Now, maybe this is just my personality. You know, my personality, you know, I remember if, you, if we studied the Enneagram a while back, you know, I'm a seven, which I'm the enthusiast. I'm the cheerleader. You know, woo, let's go, let's go. Right? So my personality has a lot of these, you know, I'm always looking for, for new joys, like new opportunities. Um, new places and people and, and experiences, right? Like my family, we always loved going and doing day trips and going to, to discover what's special about this small town. I still remember this, this vivid memory of going to this place called Julian and, uh, down in Southern California. And that was the transition for me, you know, into loving apple pie, Dutch apple pie with the crumbles and cream on the top. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And going in and watching them make it and smelling the cinnamon and sugar and the apples and, ah, right. And so I, I, we love getting, to, you know, getting to experience new things, new places, new people. 
I know not everyone is like that. <laughs> you know, many people are like, you know, like the old, you know, the old joke. You know, how do you, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? What do you mean change? <laughs> right. Some people are averse to change, which is why we're using the word shift and not change, church. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we are worried. You know, some people can be worried when things change or, or things change too much. Oftentimes you hear about this as the biggest you know, difficulty for, for pastors and churches trying to bring change when there's, and there's so much, you know, pushback. What happened super blessed? I mean, I really haven't, we haven't really butt up against that. Like, y'all are super like, let's try new things. I'm like, yay, you're my people. <laughs> right? Let's try new things. Let's experiment. Let's have fun. Let's just, let's not get locked into too many, into too many things that keep us stagnant. But we must recognize that life is full of these seasons, these transitions, these, these moves. We have to decide what we're going to do with them. As, as the, the phrase has been said, you know, never waste a good crisis. Right? Um, what that means is we, we can use even the worst situations in life as an opportunity to decide to look for opportunities that God wants to use to work in our lives. Right? A lot of people said that at the very beginning of COVID. You know, never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis. You know, we're in the middle, middle of a pandemic. How can we use that to launch us into a better season? Well, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is it's been difficult, has it not been? It's difficult to use a bad situation for good. God can and God does. Uh, for for many people, that the transition has not been so so good, so happy, so opportunistic and and enthusiastic. It has not been optimistic for many of us. For the disciples, this was a new season for them, and they could have been wrestling with that same thing. They, they just watched their, their Savior be brutally murdered in front of them. It was a difficult season for them. And then he rose again. They're like, bah! like trying to wrap their minds around the fact that he was alive again. They're like, how do I reconcile this? And so, but he was there with them for what? For 40 days. Talking with them, walking with them, eating with them, dining with them, lodging with them. The word itself that, that talks about that here in Acts uh, chapter 1 uh, means like lodged with them or dined with them, stayed with them. In essence, what the two people on the road to Emmaus were inviting Jesus to do, come and dine and lodge with them that night, to stay with them, dwelling with them, tabernacling with them. So these disciples, this was a transition for them. Because, you know, and, you know, while Jesus was, would, was going to be leaving them physically, he was transitioning to being with them even more powerfully spiritually. But he kept preparing them, saying, I'm going. I'm going. I'm leaving. Well, where, where are you going? I mean, even, then, even still, they didn't get it because they were like, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Like as though he was going to become their leader, the revolutionary leader, now that he's raised from the dead, and now, wow, there's even more power that Jesus is alive. All the Jewish leaders saw it. So now everyone's going to believe because Jesus is going to be walking with us through this whole thing. They had no paradigm that he was going to like float away like a balloon. They're like, uh, duh. 
they've never seen a they've never seen a, a like a balloon go blue like they had no 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 concept for this like should we just like should should, should we have thrown like a rope around his foot like come back but they were watching all this unfold and Jesus kept going and 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 preparing them for this but really, you know, it could be in this in this moment, this could be viewed through a lens of mourning. The disciples were now without Jesus, the guy that he had that they had walked and talked with for three years was gone, left them. They could view it as mourning because Jesus was leaving, but God was coming through His Holy Spirit. God was coming. Jesus wasn't going to leave his, his disciples high and dry. This was just the beginning. And so this is where we see the transitionary point. The disciples returned. Where? Like in our passages today, we see to Jerusalem, to the temple, and to the house. And we're going to talk about those three things here in a moment. But So the disciples returned to these different places throughout our passages. So let's look at the first one, to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem... Um, was, was right there. So uh, I should have gotten a map, but basically like you can see Mount, the Mount of Olives from the Temple Mount and you can see the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. And there's just a, there's a valley with a creek that goes down the middle of it called the Kidron Valley in between them. And you can, it's a, they call it about a Sabbath day journey. So it's about 3,000 feet away. So it's about a, like a half mile to like three quarters of a mile from the Temple Mount out the East Gate over to to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus liked to hang out. Um, and that gave a great view. But So they returned about a Sabbath day journey, but they returned to Jerusalem. Here's a, a big picture of this. Because Jesus had just said he was going to meet them in Galilee. He said, he told them to stay in Jerusalem, but I will go on before you to Galilee. So they returned to Galilee after his, after his crucifixion and resurrection. And we see that where, you know, Peter and James and John, you know, are hanging out by the, by the, by the Sea of Galilee. And Peter's like, I'm going fishing. And so then he goes out there and like, you know, they're out there and they catch nothing. And then a voice from the shore is like, hey, throw it off the other side. Like, all right, whatever. So they do it and like, oh, and tons of fish in the net. It's Jesus. Because they recognized the miracle again. They're like, oh, yeah, we've been here before. Oh, wait, this is when Jesus called us. Oh, this is, oh, he's calling us again. As we read in the, in the last part of, of the book of John, we can read a little bit more of that. Where Jesus is again reminding them, no, 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 this isn't who you are anymore. This is who you are. You're, remember, you're fishers of men now. And now it's going to start. All the stuff that I've been preparing you for, this is where it, the rubber meets the road. This is where it begins. This is where, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So Jesus, like you said, spent 40 days with them and gave many proofs. He physically rose from the grave, right? Um, and then, he, then even like it talks about in 1 Corinthians fifteen six. then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. So several times he's appearing to many, many groups of people. And as he's appearing to more people, more people start to gather. Because at his crucifixion, there were about 120 people following him. And now that number is starting to grow. Now that number is starting to grow. And you can tell. I mean, when you appear to 500 people, those 500 people that knew that you just died and are now alive again, they're like, okay, that's 500 believers. 
Let's just say that. There's just about 500 believers at this point in time. So they return to Jerusalem. And then what do they do? They're in the temple. They are continually in the temple. As it says, praising and worshiping God. As they got to, they got to worship Jesus every day of their lives. Those, those three years. And now they're continuing to worship Jesus through, worshiping, through the worship of Yahweh in the temple. Because they know that when they go to the temple to worship God, they're worshiping Jesus. Because they believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the Yahweh that they've been worshiping since they were babies in the temple. Every time they would go to the Passover, Passover festival in Jerusalem, they now remembered and now knew that they were worshiping Jesus the whole time. They were coming into fellowship with Jesus the whole time. So they wanted to go back and keep going back and keep going back to that presence that walked with them. That's Jesus. Their minds and their eyes were opened. And they were like, that was God we got to walk with. And we can still walk with him. And this is where we start to see the disciples are really starting to get it. Jesus has told them what to do, and they're like, oh, we should probably do that. Because <laughs> Jesus says, remain in Jerusalem. Whereas before, they had kind of maybe misstepped and, and you know, different things. And now they're like, oh, we need to remain in his word. We need to walk by what he told us to do and wait. And be faithful to wait. We need to remain faithful to God by staying faithful to what he has instructed us to do. What's the next step? Do that. And only that. Don't try to do other things besides that. Do that and do only that. Jesus said, as it says, you know, if anyone keeps my word, he, I'm sorry, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The Father will love him and we will come to to him and make our home with him. This is 1 John chapter 3. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts. This is the reassuring stuff. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts try to, I'll add that word try, try to condemn us, we remember that God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. Dear friends, if our, don't, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands. We do what he says and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, this is his command. Here's where the things I've been preaching about for the last four and a half years, that the only thing that Jesus commanded was to believe and to love one another. Here's where it is. This is the command, his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. That's it. That's all of Jesus' commands right there. Believe in the name of, of the Son of God and love one another. The one who keeps his commands of believing in, this, in the name of the Son and loving one another remains in him and he in him. And the way that we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he has 
given us. The disciples returned, remembering that, that Jesus' commands were to believe, place your whole faith and trust on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's it. That's the full totality of the commands of Jesus Christ. Love God, love one another. And they came back to the house. They came back together in the house, and this is interesting. So the house that they returned to is the one that they shared the Passover in, the one in the big upper room, the one that belonged to John Mark, who would later follow Paul, but then wouldn't, you know, would, got, you know, got, would get scared and not follow Paul and Barnabas up into Galatia, but he would go back and stay in Cyprus. And then they would, you know, Paul and, Paul and uh, Barnabas would have a fallout because they wanted to take, you know, take John Mark with them. And Paul's like, no, 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 this kid didn't follow us when, when you know, to Galatia. He got scared. He, don't, he doesn't get to go and enjoy it now. And so, like, Paul and Barnabas would split, and so then he would take Silas with him. But eventually they would reconcile because later on he would say, you know, and bring John Mark because he's beneficial to me. He is a, a good worker in the gospel. So later there was a reconciliation in that relationship. And then, but what happened is that John Mark would follow Peter and he would go to Antioch with Peter and he would eventually end up in Rome. And the book of Mark by John Mark was Peter's gospel to the Romans. So John Mark, this is the house. That's his house we're talking about. He was probably like a teenager or, you know, like a, a boy that be- had become a man because he was pretty young. And this is the guy that in the book of Mark, you know, ran away naked. <laughs> go, go back to the book of Mark to the, to the, uh, the scene in the, the garden where everyone like runs away. And it says that one person left his cloak, you know, grabbed his cloak and he ran away naked. That was Mark. That's the, that's the, that's the dude's house that we're talking about right here. This becomes a, the center of the church ministry in the, in the city of Jerusalem for the next several years. This is the house that, that Paul would later come and visit when he returns to Jerusalem at the end of his uh, third missionary journey. This is the house. They come back together. This is a powerful place that has seen powerful stuff already in Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples. But here's, here's the, the, kind of the rub. So the disciples come back to the house. They've got about 10 days, about a week and a half, where Jesus has left them and the Holy Spirit has not yet been poured out. And this, they're waiting for 10 days. Imagine doing nothing really except for worshiping God in the temple and just hanging out together, waiting on the Lord for 10 days. People are starting to trickle in for Shavuot festival in Jerusalem. And they're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. In their waiting, they were preparing for a new season. But you could almost feel the, feel the silence. The question, what do we do now? Well, what's the next thing that we know? Well, 
He said, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit's poured out on you. Could be any day now. Should we go back to Galilee? No! Sit down! <laughs> Should we go fishing? No! Sit your butt down, Peter. Stop that. They're waiting, preparing for the new season that had been promised to them. Because what was the, the season? What was the new season going to be defined by? What was about to happen? A worldwide cataclysmic event that was about to occur, the likes of which no one had ever seen or experienced. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God on people all across the world for thousands of years to come. That was what was about to happen. I love this word cataclysmic. Cataclysmic, a a momentous and violent event marked by overwhelming upheaval and demolition. An event that brings great change. Anyway, this kind of like reminds me of the scene in Harry Potter, where it's, where uh, where Snape is trying to train Harry Potter and how to like block a certain like mind spell thing, or and Snape's like, "Prepare yourself," and he's like like sitting there like grips the chair like, uh, "How?" <laughs> he's like super awkward, just like sitting there in the chair. He's like, "I don't know what to do. How do I prepare myself? I have no idea how to do this. What's going on?" What, it's just like, are you going to throw something at me? Like, what's going on? Right? They have no idea. They were expectant of something, but they had no idea of the sheer power and impact of what was about to happen and what ministry and movement of God they were about to partner with God to accomplish. This would be a huge, huge season. I can just see them sitting there going, How? I guess we'll just wait. During these 10 days, I could see Jesus' disciples just praying and processing through those last years. They're trying to wrap their minds around it. Like, what just happened? And then wrapping their minds around the crucifixion and the resurrection. Like, what just happened? And then watching Jesus float away. What just happened? (laughs) Trying to process through these things. Wrap their minds around it. And now trying to prepare their hearts and minds for what was about to happen. But nothing could prepare them for what they were about to experience. These these days, weeks for them, were a transitionary season. Reeling from the, the former and trying to prepare for the next. Because every season holds new opportunities. For the disciples, it was the new season of new opportunities, the time of processing and transitioning. They were moving from one state of glory to the next. But another interesting transitionary moment here that, that was happening that I want, to, I want to make sure that we address, and we'll talk more about this when we start the book of Acts, but another huge transition for the disciples was that they were now joined by all of Jesus' family. 
Look at that. The, verse 14. Right? If you think about this, look back to Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 3. His family thought he was nuts. They were trying to like go and talk to him and bring them and basically like to, to take him by force and take him back home because they thought he was crazy. They thought he was out of his mind. And now they have joined the disciples. They have joined the 120, maybe up to 500 at this, mo- at this point, to come and worship Yahweh through Jesus Christ. They're coming to worship Jesus. And now we're, he, we also know that this was uh, James, his brother, was there. And this was the James that wrote the book of James that we have in our Bible. His brother joined them at this moment with all the disciples and all of his mother and his brothers would now be filled with Jesus' Holy Spirit. The spirit of your brother, <laughs> of his brother. Our brother, he's, that's why he calls us. He calls us brothers of Jesus, brothers and sisters, fellow kids of Yahweh. Jesus being the firstborn and we're the, we're the restborn and adopted, brought into adoption. In our lives, we go through seasons, right? We go through transitions, new seasons, new days, new weeks, new, new opportunities, New, like right now, we're transitioning into the weather season of fall, but also the new school season, new work season. You know, for parents, like when all the kids are gone to school, and now like, what do I do with myself? Oh yeah, right, work. <laughs> In our lives, we go through this season. Don't let a good transition season go to waste. Embrace the shift. The shift of trajectory, the shift of, of time. Even though it may be difficult, there may be difficulties through this transitionary period. Our world goes through these seasons. Now, I believe that we've been in, in one for like the last couple of years. But us, in, in, as as the church, as as believers in Christ, to remember, as Paul said, that we are single-minded. Single-minded. What do you say? I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That even in these transitionary moments that we still remember the last thing that Jesus said. How do we love the Lord? We love Him and we love one another. Believe and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and for the giving of the Holy Spirit. Believing and casting our our affections and our faithfulness on God and loving one another. Those are his commands. Believe and love, love. Believe, love. And I think that this is the you know a something that we can see from how the disciples transitioned. And how we can transition, no matter what happens in our lives, that we can stay faithful to that command of believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. Through all these seasons of transition, we can move ahead. We move ahead. Remember, remember it this way. So move, so M-O-V-E, meditate. So, so write these things down. So meditate, 
And this is a this is the times of, of giving thanksgiving. So sitting down, so taking a moment, whether you go out to the mountains or, or you just hang out at a coffee shop or hang out at home on the couch, just maybe write these things down in a journal. When you feel like you're in a transitionary period of your life, write down, what, what am I thankful for from this last season? Even, the, even if something as simple as like, hey, how is this summer? Let's sit down and think about and, and process through the summer. What am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? What am I you know, admiring God and worshiping God for? Like, what, where are the times where I just want to lavish my love on the Lord? Just meditate on the Lord and meditate on what He did. Meditate on what on the joys. Meditate on the struggles and bless Him. As, and let the Lord bless you. Let the Lord bless you with remembrance. This is what I did in your life. This is what I did in your family. This is what I'm still doing. Number two, observe. This is where we learn. Where we look back and say, okay, that wasn't so good. Or, hey, wow, I really saw some holes in my parenting this summer. Wow, I really see the holes in my life and in, 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 you know, in my marriage or in, my, in relationships or in my time where I've really not done well you know, handling my time or you know, handling what I do which is why there's some lights out because I haven't changed them yet. <laughs> Readjusting. So learning from our mistakes or learning from what the things that we feel regret from. Number, yeah, number three, vision. With the V is vision. So this is where we are seeking the heart of God through prayer. This is where he talks about the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. We vision, we, we get a vision of Christ, get a vision of God. And seek his vision for our lives and our families through prayer. We pray with him. That's why I said they, did, they devoted themselves to what? Prayer. To being in the temple and worshiping and praising, right? To meditating on the Lord. Repenting. They, changing their minds. So this is where we seek the Lord. Seek the heart of God. Seek him, for him to give us vision for what he desires for our lives. And finally, empower This is where he talks about you will be given what? Power from the Holy Spirit. This is Holy Spirit power. You may have heard it, you know, heard it said that the, uh, the word here for power is the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. Is dynamis is the, is the Greek word. This is dynamite power. Right. Heard that, heard, heard that preached. But this word dynamis means powerful deeds, marvelous works. It's all good. Powerful works. This is like the power of God that was able to judge the gods of Egypt. This is the power that's given to you. The same power that was within upon and accomplished through Jesus Christ. This is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. And if this, this is Romans chapter 8. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you to help you to move. Meditate, observe, vision, and empower. Seeking those things. Because every season holds new opportunities. If we will listen, if we will engage, if we will move, meditate, observe, envision with God, and be and allow the Lord to empower us, empower our faith, and empower our relationship with Him and with others. Seek His empowerment to believe, place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to love one another. And to seek Him through those things. Because He is the one who wills and who works for His good pleasure. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for this time together. And God, I thank you for your servant, Luke, who gave us this wonderful work that we are continuing to read through, Lord. We thank you so much for his gospel account of you, Jesus Christ, and and what we have learned over the course of this almost two-year season. And Lord, as we transition, and Lord, as you are bringing transition in, in our lives and in our world, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us Lord, that you would help us to move. Lord, to meditate on your word. To observe and to wrestle with the things that you, you want us to change. How you want us to, to shift our thinking, to change our mind about certain things. Lord, give us vision. Give us your vision for our lives and for your world. For your church, for your relationships, and for one another. Help us to pray and to seek your face. And Lord, empower us. Empower our lives. Empower our church with what you want us to do. Lord, we are here to follow you. Lead us, God. Lead us where you want us to go and how you want us to go, where you want us to go and what you want us to do. Reveal to us, Lord, the works that you desire for us to walk in as a church. Teach us how to love, to love one another and to love others in this world, to love our neighbors so that they can be lovers of you, God. Help us to transition in this new season. Show us the the new opportunities that you are bringing because of your Holy Spirit at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.